You're listening to Fox on the Wire podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Fox on the Wire. And my name is Rob Hallett. I'm very happy to be in the luscious studios here. Um, and I'm the guest tonight as the local punk rock warlord. Thanks for having me. Hey, what? Rob, I'm supposed what? to do the intros. What the? Uh, well, you know, sometimes you just got to get in there. You got the, and I'm just getting in there. You got the right? whiskey courage. I pour yeah. you a whiskey yeah. and you have a Thank sip and then just. Oh, Thank you very much. Fine. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Hope everyone's well. Uh, yes, we have Rob Heller in the studio slash kitchen here right now at the uh, Fox on the Wire headquarters. Absolutely and, delightful surroundings yeah. they are too. <laughs> and we're going to talk about music. Mm. Now, um, Rob has been through, uh, he's actually lived through some of the most historic moments in time uh, in relation to music, as in, for example, the punk era. Mm. So when punk came along, Rob, uh, you were just a young, a young fella. As you are still, I am still <laughs> yeah. It was um, so. Um, I was born in '62, so if if punk hit sort of '76, '77, so I'm an impressionable 14, 15 year old, and I remember particularly, um, you know, there was a lot of stir in um, in newspapers and music press, particularly at at that age. I was reading you know, you know, music newspapers like Ram Magazine was one of them at the time. And Duke, and you know, sometimes if you could steal a copy of Rolling Stone or NME or something, we could read that. And uh, of course, one of the big things uh, at the time was the Sex Pistols, and and uh, a mate of mine and I, we um, used to go into Brashes in the city, which is where you get your hit singles from. I from remember Brashes, yeah. And they used to have this rack um of the top 40 singles so you know so you could go in there and see what was number 1 right through to number 40 yep and you could just you know sort of buy it and we went in there and they had the names of all the the singles and you can imagine at the time there's things like you know Rod Stewart's do you think I'm sexy or probably a BG's in there and whatever you know like it was all yep. stuff maybe a Paul McCartney a wings or something you know but down near the bottom, there was one that just said Sex Pistols. Didn't even say what the song was, just said Sex Pistols. And my Scottish mate said, Right, I want those, you know. So, um, so we went back to his uh, place. He was living in a flat in Barclay Street, St Kilda at the time. And uh, just put the single on. And so it was, you know, three minutes, 20 seconds or whatever. And we thought, What? What? What was that shit? <laughs> um, played again. So we played, he must have played it, I don't know, six, seven, eight, ten times in a row, whatever. And it was like, it was nothing, nothing like we'd ever heard before. Uh, and um, I think, you know, little did I know it then, but music changed for me. Mm. So was that Anarchy in the UK? Uh, I think it was Anarchy in the UK, yeah. Yeah. And how old you're about? Uh, I think so you said fifteen. Probably about fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just you'd maybe remember something about those uh, brushes or aria chart things. I used to collect those things back in the nineties. Yeah. The aria chart uh, sheets. I reckon I've still got them somewhere, and you know they'd have all the yeah the top thirty or forty, I think, mm-hmm. and how many times the albums had gone platinum. And for some reason, I think because I followed footy, those stats just Sort of, they meant something to uh, me for yeah. some reason. Yep. So, um, you know, with footy, I used to, yeah, know all the all the stats when I used to follow it. But, um, all right. So you're 15. What year is it? About 76, so, so 77. 77. So, 70, so early 77, I turned 15. Yeah. And then punk, you just sort of stumbled across it. Yeah. Sort of. Just sort by of buying stu- the I mean, record. I'd, I'd read, I'd read stuff, uh, obviously. Um, and you know, there was, you know, there was something happening. You know, I wasn't at that stage. I wasn't going to gigs or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so that's that was my that was probably my first taste on that uh, sunny afternoon in that in that St Kilda flat. So, had you read about the Sex Pistols before you? Oh yeah, look, they were the making the news because you know they were you know upsetting people and they they were, um, you know they were getting um, you know 
banned from playing in places and and um you know there's this there was this punk thing happening in in london and um you know where people were just having different colored hair and safety pins and all that sort of stuff so there was that there was that sort of they were shocking the norm um of what was going on in 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 British society, right, would have been a bit of a change actually. When you, I mean, you can see it now when you see the old footage, you know, the, the proper British people, and then you've got the Sex Pistols yeah. with uh, mohawks and shit. Yeah, well, you, you know what it's like if you, you know, you go into a country town and everyone's pretty pretty much the same, <laughs> and someone looks completely bizarre. You know, walk down you know, the street of a country and there's a clown suit or something like that. Obviously, it sticks out. So these people yeah. were sticking out, as young people want to do, mm. you know. Um, at the same time, you know, you read in the press these bands like the Ramones and they were, you know, they were writing songs going and, you know, there were wonderful lyrics like beat on the brat, beat on the brat, beat on the brat with a baseball bat. Lovely. You know, so, like, what? Mm-hmm. Who's you know the Beatles weren't singing that sort of stuff. No, <laughs> what's that? Well, all not about? even the Stones, and they were considered no. the, I guess the were they the bad boys compared to the Beatles? Oh well, yeah, yeah. Well, especially so in the early, well in the early sixties, probably. Yeah, yeah. So and and certainly into the seventies too. Yeah, okay. Hmm. I suppose I was attracted. I was certainly attracted to the Stones as well. In the yeah, and well, they were. I suppose they were part of. Um, you know, awakening to music, really. I mean, for me. So I think um, in 1971, the Stones brought out an album, Sticky Fingers, which is still one of my Desert Island albums, mm. I reckon. And remember going to around my mate's place and the older brother would have Sticky Fingers blaring out. Uh, as one of the albums blaring out of his bedroom, you know. Um, and just going, wow, that's... That's fantastic, you mm. know, like that's – it really resonated with me, you know, as well as all the Led Zeppelin he was playing and all that sort of stuff and Black Sabbath and, um, wow. you know, it was um, – yeah, it was yeah, uh, amazing stuff. What a time. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's uh, certainly stuck sticks in this boy's memory. Yeah. So you would have had, you know, crossing into the 70s there, you would have had just – the Beatles would have just about finished up or had just finished up? They had just finished up. Certainly they were, you know, they were people, um, I suppose, of my age and older wouldn't understand. The Beatles were everywhere. Yeah. You and couldn't switch are. on the TV. <laughs> you couldn't, uh, you know, you'd look at the newspaper, you'd turn on the radio. You know, there were so many songs, so many images. You know, they just had to. Sneeze, and you know there was you know, someone would write an article about. It. I, I remember, you know, that at home we had a tea towel with the Beatles on it. You know, mm. I wish we had that freaking tea towel. Oh, <laughs> it's probably yeah. worth a fortune now. But you know, like they they were, they were you know, they were everywhere. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then um, obviously after the Beatles, Paul McCartney went into Wings, and they all sort of went off in their different ways. And I, I really enjoyed Wings. Actually, I really got into them. Well, I saw them before you were born. Oh, really? Think, you uh, saw them? I yeah, I did. Oh. I did see them uh, at my music bowl, probably wow. about nineteen. It was after the um, Venus and Mars, but the Venus and Mars album was out. Yeah, it was about so 70, seventy. That came out about seventy four, I think. Yeah. So probably seventy, probably seventy five. I was there. Yeah. Well, there you go. So I guess why I wanted to get you. Well, I mean, we always talk about music anyway. A bit of a disclaimer. Rob and I work together, not all the time, but at the moment we're working together. and um, Sometimes even across purposes, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, Rob's, Rob's been one of my biggest followers of my music career hmm. um, since I met him, I don't know, when did I meet you? Uh, probably about eight years ago, Yeah, nine years ago. Maybe, yeah, around there. Hmm. So, yeah, Rob's always supported me in my music and... You know, we obviously talk about music and um, we both like different sorts of music Um, and Rob's always playing sort of, he brings his music into work and we, you know, he shows me some stuff and then I show him some stuff and I'm like, well, you know, let's get him on the podcast and Mm. this show's about music. You don't necessarily have to be an active musician to, to come on the show. I mean... You are you play music as well? Oh yeah, look, you know, I I 
dad was a guitar at home and I was, you know, playing with a, um, a, you know, a band. We used to, some mates of ours would get together and, you know, um, make a bit of, I used to call it the noise workshop, get together every week and make a bit of noise and, um, you know, it was an excuse to get together and have a few beers and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I suppose that my, you know, gave me a chance to, you know, the thing about punk was this is do-it-yourself attitude and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm not blessed with um, great musicianship, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to do it. I suppose I've always wanted to do it since I was, mm. you know, 13, so. Yeah. I guess why I wanted to get you in as well is because I mean a lot of a lot of people like music and you know follow it, but others uh, I think it maybe dictates their life path a little bit more. Mm. It's hard. I was trying to find the right words for this earlier, but um, I think someone like yourself, um, it made such an impression on you. Yeah, that it became part of you. Yeah, I think that. See, the the punk the punk ethic and the punk attitude was like do it yourself and like it, don't give us stuff about what you're supposed to do or how things are supposed to be and whatever what the rules. Don't worry about rules. Mm. Just just do it. Um and and um that was the um the attractive thing about uh, uh the punk not only the punk music but the punk ethos and the. And, and and you know some parts of the the punk movement were quite political, you know, very political in some ways. Like with bands like say Crass, um, who are you know very much about anarchism, so that sort of politics. And of course, there's the politics of the Clash as well, which is quite quite anti-establishment. So um, it it certainly made my personal politics steer towards the left and. I became quite active in, my, in left politics, certainly uh, in Melbourne, and actually for a while I was in, you know, a socialist party in Melbourne and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it, certainly uh, the music was the thing that attracted me to that sort of politics. Mm. Well, we might stay away from politics tonight. Just <laughs> <for the same. laughs> I might come back to it. Uh, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? So that um, punk rock do-it-yourself. Attitude from from the seventies there when it when punk sort of originated that that spilled into uh, some of my favourite bands mm. you know from the eighties and then into the nineties so even you know bands like uh, Motley Crue who came out in eighty one they had a lot of that sort of punk rock yeah, uh, yeah. do it yourself attitude um, particularly uh, Nicky Six yep. Uh, but he he saw, also had the sort of glam era like yeah. um, T Rex and that sort of thing. It's, it, it, that's 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 very important that you bring that up because the glam, you know, the the, the first the original sort of glam stuff was um, you know around the early seventies, um, and uh, particularly out of England, um, which was which was very attractive. You know, I was listening to, you know, people of my age were listening to it. You know. Um, a lot of Slade and T Rex and you know Glitter Band and um, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and yeah, so certainly the um, it, it um, you know pushed this style of fashion that went towards the outrageous, and it was a very very arty thing too. Um, you know, like um, without and uh, and it wasn't necessarily dumbed down. Like no, no one says like Lou Reed was dumbed down. They might not say he's glam either, but they were certainly very close and influential with mm. with each other. So yeah, it's all very interesting. So when I see someone someone like you know Motley Crue, and I think yeah. okay, you know, so they're outrageous and you know they they looked apart and all that sort of stuff. That that doesn't um, you know surprise me or offend me. So. Mm. Um, uh, but I can understand it because you know, as a young person, how attractive that is. You've got to be larger than life. Look at someone like yeah. Alice Cooper. Yeah, Alice, he he's he's larger than life. Yep. You know, so I think we want our, you know, we want rock stars. We want rock stars. Mm. You know, who wouldn't want to be a rock star? But you know, we want rock stars to be like our actors, or you know, we want them to be larger than life. Yeah, they've still got to be authentic in some sort of way, though. Like. I could always tell the difference between someone who's a bit of a just a plain sort of poser, I guess, 
and then someone who's a bit more authentic, even though they might still be putting on a bit of a facade. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. Alice Cooper says, you know, he's he's got his Alice Cooper stage, yep. lo- like a lot of them do. Yep. Um, but he's still really authentic about it. Yep. Um, yep. Well, he's he, to me, he, you know, he's an he's an um, a, an entertainer. You know, that's yep. that's in the fibre of his being. But you know, talking about someone being true to himself, like someone like John Lydon, also known as John Rotten. You know, you, you watch interviews with him. You know, I'm sure that once there's a camera in front of him or a microphone in front of him, he yep. certainly plays it up. Yeah. Um, but he's he's he hasn't moved in his. Um, in what he's been trying to say, really, you know, he's certainly matured. You know, from you know the twenty-something to you know, he's probably you know, he's in his early sixties now. But mm. you know, he's he's been uh, he's he's he, at the core of him has been about truth and being what you are, and and don't let anyone tell you you can't be. Yeah, is he still making music? Yes, with Public Image. Public Image oh. has been doing stuff since um, since soon after the Pistols broke up. Um, and I think you know they've got they've got a lot of albums, probably about twenty albums. I think John Lyon's done with Public Image Limited, and some of it's oh. really great. Okay, yeah, well, the the whole punk thing, you know, that influenced uh, more of my favourite bands like Nirvana, you know, in the early nineties, and you know they always talked about sort of punk punk bands. So that that attitude and that you know that obviously went a long way, and even these days, like you could. I know there's musicians that I know that still sort of follow that sort of same thing. So it's obviously, um, yeah, well, been a you, lasting effect. You know, if, you, if you're looking before, if you're looking back, um, so 1976 or earlier, 75, and if I was looking at bands that I was listening to at the time, a fair bit of, you know, um, Led Zeppelin, for example, mm. probably a great example, or Stones or whatever, this is... Big bands, super talented people, larger than life, you know, um, yeah, on screen and off. Very talented musicians, you know, they're, they're playing big arenas all around the world and all that sort of stuff. And they've got the, the, the groupie and the drug lifestyle all happening. You know, that's so far removed from a 15-year-old mm. yeah. that's just got a guitar. And you, what do you do? You get your guitar and want to go, well, I, how, how do I get from here? To that, yeah, you know, is if that's if that's the aspiration, how do I get there? Mm. But then this, you know, the punk thing comes along, and say, well, you know, don't, don't give a stuff about that. Mm. Just you know, just bang it out. You know, like mm. if you know three chords, good. You probably know two more than me. Go <laughs> for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when I was young. You know, well, fairly young. I read Motley Crue's The Dirt. Mm. You know, that was mm-hmm. full on. Excess, and it's like I'm just sitting in my bedroom listening to. Uh, I think I had my Dr. Feelgood cassette tape. Um, this, I mean, this was like 2000, so I wasn't yep. you know, that early. And then, you know, I went on to Led Zeppelin's Hammer of the Gods book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing that we sort of have in common that you'd read a lot of uh, autobiographies yep. and, and that sort of thing, and you still do. Yep. I don't, yep. I, I just can't. It takes me years to read a book. Unfortunately, I think I've read all the ones that are in my local library, so I've yeah. got to steal them from somewhere else now. Did you ever get around to the Keith Richards autobiography? The I quite big. I, I certainly, I certainly did. Yeah, um, I certainly did. I, I think as soon as the day that it came out, I went to the local library and said, "By the way, you've got to get this." Yeah, and they said, "Uh, uh yes, we do." <laughs> I go, yes, you do. And as soon as, of course, as soon as they got it in, I, I had it out and cool and read it. I, I, I loved it. Yeah. Well, I haven't read it, but I've got I've had it for since it came out. The the thing that stuck out for me for the from the Keith Richards book is that Keith, Keith to me from anyway, what's like he's such a music fan. It's in his look. You could just strip back everything. He, he, I think that he would he, he could he could give back the money. He could give back the fame. He could give back the the the, the all sorts of things. But you'd have to keep the music. That's that's you know, it's the blues is what um, you know he loves and is in his veins. And for him, it's about playing with his mates. So you have your guitar, you have that bottle of whiskey, have reefer, and you have your mates, and mm. you get together and play. And that's what it's about. Mm. 
And yeah, I mean, most of us can do that. So what's the first uh, Rolling Stones thing you came, oh, song or album you came across? Did you say oh, Sticky probably Fingers? Probably Sticky Fingers was yeah. the, the thing. And then, um, of course, after that, and you go, okay, well, um, and then and then sort of, you know, went, went backwards to discover mm-hmm. other stuff from before that. Um, through the Past Darkly, which was like, um, you know, sort of a greatest hits thing, which every now and Every you know five or six years, the Stones seem to bring out sort of a you know um, a rehash of what they've already released. Mm. Um, Let It Bleed was n- another fantastic one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's only rock and roll. Um, and then seventy five, I think, it was Black and Blue, which I played a lot. Mm. Loved that. Um, and then Some Girls came out about seventy six. Um, loved that. And then, and that was about the time that the punk thing started happening oh, yeah. as well. Okay. So I think Led Zeppelin, like after reading their book, they sort of suffered a little bit once the punk thing came in. Is that right? Yeah. So so how, <laughs> it's a bit hard to dumb down when you've been doing, you know, things like Stairway to Heaven. Mm, yeah. And, and still be credible. And, you know, like it doesn't matter. They didn't, they didn't have to. Mm. They didn't have to, you know, um, yeah, I suppose that there's some of their fan base. Well, for, so there's, so I think the punk thing was there's a lot of music that suddenly become less relevant. Yeah. Um, and and to me, you know, even now if I go to a gig, um, I want to I want a band that actually challenges me. Mm. I want a band to be a little bit dangerous. Um, I want to be a band that see a band that takes takes some risks. Um, and, um, you know, and if they don't, and I've been to gigs like that, and I thought they might be great musicians. That doesn't impress me. Mm. They, they might have great voices. That doesn't impress me, mm. but they've got, it's got to be that something about their attitude and swagger mm. that, that, um, that, that, that gets me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you compare Led Zeppelin to the Sex Pistols and it's just you know, worlds apart. Yeah. But then you know they the Sex Pistols came in and but at the had same, a huge effect. Yeah, at the same time, like so soon after that. So when I get to about seventeen and I start working, I get my own money. I could go out to gigs myself, mm. and there was a punk scene. starting in Melbourne, you know, you can argue one way or the other, but but punk started in in Australia at the same time as it happened in New York and London. If you look at someone like the Saints in, in Brisbane, you know they they brought out "I'm Stranded" before the Pistols even released their first single. You know, uh-huh. um, so and th- and you know there was bands that were playing um, in, in Melbourne that was were, were pushing that, and and uh, as soon as I could go to find a punk venue to go to, and there was a few around Melbourne at the time. The Crystal Ballroom was the one that uh, you know. I, I got sucked into going to. Um, Where was that? That was in, in Fitzroy Streets in Kilda. Right. Um, and it was like, you know, Friday Friday night, you just rush home, change, put your makeup on, get the train, get a taxi or whatever, um, head down to the, the ballroom and, you know, catch up with people in the punk scene. So it was just uh, – and there was um, – and I suppose the most famous one was The Boys Next Door, um, you know, headed by Nick Cave at the time. Um, they were the, the, probably the they were probably the most popular, but there was a lot of um, yeah, there was a lot of little bands that were um, yeah trying to people was there was young people that were you know they were art students or. Um, you know, there were people that were musicians or not musicians. They just wanted to get up and perform and do their own brand of stuff, you know, like like hunters and collectors, you know, were just starting out, all that sort of stuff. And it was very, very exciting. You know, there's young people that were um, out in the world like me, you know, were, were discovering sex, were discovering drugs and were discovering this new brand of rock and roll. It was so, so very, very exciting. Mm. So it was a bit dangerous around that time. Uh, yeah, it was. It was dangerous. Yeah, um, it was dangerous. Um, in a well, 
it was it was dangerous. Um, well, yes, it, it, it was, but it wasn't to me. Uh, I felt quite safe. I was I was in amongst you know I could have been in a venue full of 150 punk rockers, and all of us were brothers and sisters. You know, mm. like we we knew what we were about. We weren't. We might. You know, we might sort of dance differently. We might have thrown each other around differently. We might have had, we you know might have had different drugs than other people. We weren't sitting around smoking pot. Um, so, but for for people that were looking from the outside, it might have seemed quite scary. Mm. So yeah, there was times where, um, yeah, we frightened people just the way, the way we. We looked, and and that's that's sort of empowering if people sort of go stand back from. Them. And kids nowadays, it's just the same, mm. you know. So I, when I see you know teenagers down the street and they've got this bravado and they're dressed like they're looking dangerous, I know they're kids. <laughs> <laughs> they're kids like I was a kid, yeah. you know, thirty five years ago, whatever. So it's just part of life. So, back in those days, so what are we talking early eighties? Uh, no, probably uh, late uh, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. So you've probably just turned sort of eighteen. Yeah, yeah. So I was just um, getting my drinking shoes on, but uh, there was other drugs happening. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you had some venues in St Kilda. Yeah, there was uh, the Crystal Ballroom was probably the main one, certainly the main one that I went to. Um, it's obviously not around anymore. Or it's called something different. No, no, it's 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 the building still there. It was the George Hotel, on the corner of Gray Street and um, Fitzroy Street. Mm. Um, the Tiger Lounge was another one that used to sort of happen a lot of the time. I didn't actually. I don't think I went to many um, gigs there, but that was a that was an interesting one because there was a lot of. Oh, actually, the Boys Next Door was one band that actually played there a lot. Um, La Femme was another band I used to go and see a lot too. And La Femme were a bit interesting too because they their influence was very much like they were part of, I would say that they were very much part of the sort of punky scene. But they were very influenced by um like the Sharpie music. Music that Sharpies were listening to earlier than that. So there was that Australian strand as well. So you can imagine so you can imagine, like my older cousins were cutting their teeth at um, venues, and then going to Sunbury, and they were seeing bands like Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs, mm. and um, you know, the Colour Balls, and all that sort of stuff. And it was really pub rock, you know, the pub rock that you know, bred bands like Rose Tattoo and the Angels and Midnight Oil and all that sort of stuff, which is just super huge in Australia. Mm. Yeah. You know, so so there's the there's the, the the sweaty punk rock thing, and there's that really um, uh, hard, um, solid rock that Australia was bringing bringing out. And you know, ACDC came out of that era too. Yeah, right. Did you ever see them in those early days? ACDC? No, yeah. no. I did see Skyhooks. There. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did see Skyhooks in nineteen. 19- I think it was 1974. Um, it was actually my. I think it was the back to the first gig I went to. Is 1974 mm. at the South Melbourne Town Hall. All right. So obviously, as I was saying, like the whole music thing was affecting the direction of your life, mm. where you were going, uh, who you were hanging out with, and all that sort of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Um, and still, yeah, something you don't really let go of. Uh, no, it's just you know part of. <laughs> Um, you know, like I suppose, think about the think about yourself, Craig. Or, you know, I invite the listeners to think about this. You know, if do you, do you have many friends that have got a completely and utterly different record collection than you? Yeah, most of my <laughs> friends don't have a record collection, <laughs> or you know, what, whatever. It's like yeah, yeah. Um, for a while, it might be similar, and then yeah, you sort of go off. Everyone expands yeah. out. Yeah. To different so uh, so yeah the, the, you know you get attracted to like like and if you you know it's like um you know if you know I could have t- taken a different path I could have gone sporty and hung around with the down at the footy club or or you know gone down the you know just living at the pub sort of route but um 
No, the music's been always been a, mm. a big thing for me. All right. So, as I said earlier on, like Rob's been a huge uh, support to me since we've known each other, um, and he's also a huge support to other acts that uh, you guys would have heard of. So, uh, Rob actually runs a few fan pages mm. for bands or artists like Adelita oh, from yeah, yeah. Magic Dirt. Yeah. Uh, Steve Kilby of the Church. Yep. yep. Uh, th- those two being the main ones. So you actually run Facebook fan pages for them. Yeah. Well, I, I can. I, yeah. That's that's been f- quite interesting actually because you know, most of the list, probably all the listeners are on Facebook. And then um, remember a few years ago, this this particular rock star was on there saying, but they were they were sort of um, didn't know what to do because uh, they'd suddenly. Um, their their friend total had reached five thousand. Oh yeah, and uh, and then you can't have more than five thousand friends. So what yeah. do you do? And I thought, oh, you poor rock star, you've got too many <laughs> friends, you know. So um, I decided to start a, a group called um, uh, Friends of Steve Kilby Five Thousand and One Plus. Oh right, right. So um, so I thought, all right, I'll start this group. It was it was sort of a bit of a, a joke on my part, right? Because mm. I thought, well, you know, like I'll, I'll invite some people to join. I'll just join some people up and and then push it, and then we'll I'll find some videos to upload and photos and news and all that sort of stuff, and and then eventually people would get onto it and they sort of and and it started growing. Yeah, <laughs> it was growing, and then um, and then. Um, you know, Steve found it. You know, Steve obviously found out about it, and he sort of gave it his blessing. And um, and then um, I actually met him probably in the first year after that started. And um, you know, he was quite happy with how it's going. Yeah, no worries, go for it. You know, cool. that's right. And you know, I can I'll contribute every now and again, and all that sort of stuff. And um, you know, sometimes that would be you know if he's in town, he'll say, "I'd oh, look." You know, I've got a gig coming up, so you know, I have. Have, here's a ticket come along or oh, awesome. whatever so i mean not that i don't i don't do it for that but yeah. it's just you know it's because now we can you know we are as we can build our own communities that way yeah you know a fan club is natural i, I mean we've been in fan, i remember being in fan clubs before but it's much easier now mm. uh, and so that you don't that, have to go to the post office anymore and <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. no I, I still wish I had my Susie Quattro fan club badge, which <laughs> I got when I was about uh, about eleven. But yeah. anyway, sadly, no. But then, um, and then I was I became a big fan of Adelita, you know, from from Magic Dirt. I didn't see, I didn't, got, didn't get into Magic Dirt so much. I didn't know much about them. But after they broke up, and she had a solo solo career, and then. Um, so I got to see her play a few times in different and in different ways, either with a band or without a band. Or um, actually, she was a, quite a supporter of um, you know, um, upcoming talent too, which she does. She does a real lot of stuff, and um, and I put it to her one time. I said, "Look, you know, I've done a fan page with someone, and and you know, with your blessing, I'd like to do one for you to see how it goes. You don't have to do anything. I'll administrate it." And you have you could be an administrator too, and and you know if you don't like it, shut it down or yeah. whatever. So she goes, okay, yeah, give it a, give it a go. And mm. um, yeah, I think now we've got about three hundred members from all around the country. And mm. sometimes you know gigs will meet up with each other, and you know it's it's a thing where you know fans can put fan photos up, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then of course the same fans can report about gigs that they've been to, um, or ask questions. Um, you know, we've even we've only just started on sort of making our own little merch, mm. um, just so that fans can be involved, and it's it's been 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 really good, especially you know when you know gigs happen wherever they happen. I mean, Magic Dirt have reformed and been doing festivals, and they've been doing them all over Australia, and you know within twenty four hours we've got fan photos and and you know. Fans have got to get to meet the band and put them up and all that sort of stuff. So it's been pretty fabulous. Really, it's been really rewarding. I think that's a really positive thing. Like people sharing their uh, live music experiences after the fact, like with other fans. You know, I mean, you've got that sort of thing going on at the gigs. You know, where you're all there together basically, but to actually share some photos after the gig on 
like a fan page or something like that where you yeah. can all appreciate it yeah. is a pretty positive thing. Yeah, look, things like, you know, as fans, you want to know little bitty details. So mm. someone might take a photo of the set list because they're near the stage mm. and you go, oh, great. You know, you want to know that they opened up with that and they finished off with that or something yeah. or, you know. Um, oh, there's a photo of, you know, who was the drummer? Who was that drummer? Or, mm. you know, um, I mean, um, Adelita did um, um, uh, support gigs for Beast of Bourbon recently around Australia. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's some great photos of her with Tex Perkins on stage and they live it up. They're, they're just a great duo together. Mm. And, you know, it's for fans to be able to, you know, put up those photos and stuff, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Have you got a, a fan page for... Mick Thomas as well. I haven't got a fan page for Mick Thomas, no. Um, but there is there is one, the Mick Thomas Appreciation Society, right? Yeah. Um, and um, of course that that's really great. Mick's been around for a long time. He's, yeah. He's 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 a na- na- national treasure. I hope he doesn't mind me saying so. Mm. Um, but of course, you had the pleasure of interviewing yes. on, on uh, Fox and the Wire some weeks ago, which is and. That was fabulous. Yeah, was really well, fabulous. I was lucky enough to meet him through work, and uh, you know, I I think it might have been you actually that sort of encouraged me to uh, approach him about coming on here because I'm always a bit hesitant to to do that sort of thing sometimes because um, I don't want to step over the line and annoy the shit out of someone. But um, if you ever want to talk to Mick, about, oh, just as a tip for anyone out there, if you want to ever talk to Mick about anything, start off with saying, saying, Mick, how do you reckon the Saints are going to go this year? Mm. And then you just start it from there because he'll always stop and talk to you. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. <laughs> he's, was, he's a terrific man, yeah. I was stoked that I got to talk to him and I think you shared that the podcast episode on that appreciation on the page. page. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was got some good feedback too. Yeah, <laughs> it's been my um, my biggest episode to date, so... Thanks for doing that, and yeah, thanks Mick My for pleasure. coming on the show. But um, I think he's he's got a couple of huge shows coming up. Must be pretty soon. I think they're like bushfire benefit yeah. gigs yeah. down at um, I think the Spotted Mallard. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure they're sold out though. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm sure more information you can put up on that on the on the on your um site too. I will. Yeah. Mm. Um. Now, current day, current day. Uh, you've got two sons, yep. one of them being an amazing bass player. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Look, um, so, so I, sometimes I've been accused of being a musician and I, and, I and I say, no, I'm not, but my son is. My son's a fantastic musician. And, um, I'd like to think that I had some, encouraged him a little bit to get started, but... Um, you know he, he's he's taken up well and truly truly on his own and um yeah he's um you know got his uh, degree uh he's uh, in music and uh he's a, a he's bass a real player. musician he's a real yeah he's a real <laughs> super duper musician um uh, uh, um the bass is his natural instrument you know electric bass double bass but you know he can he can pick up a guitar. He can play a bit of keyboard. He can play a bit of trumpet. He can play a bit of all sorts of things. Mm. And at the moment, his main thing is um, being a part of a band, uh, the support band of a, um, uh, four women called the Mamas, who are just absolutely awesome. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they um, they they become on a get on a bigger radar this year. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Hugh, Hugh's a fabulous uh, musician. He's got a. Um, Big future is a muso. Absolutely, that's, that's the way he's. That's that's what he wants to do. And yeah, there was it was funny because some people sort of um, said, "Well, you know, why why become a musician?" I remember someone who influenced saying to me, "Oh, you know, you don't want to encourage him to do that. You know, you're never going to make any money." But the thing was, you know, that was the thing that was going to make him happier than anything else. He's a smart man. He could have, he could do, he could do anything. He could still turn yeah. his hand to anything. But um, you know, he chose he choose he's chosen to to do that, and he'll do well. Yeah, and he's done so much already. Um, but he, he's 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 been a musician musician for yeah. you too in your work. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He um he jumped on a track on my first album, uh, playing the double bass. You know, he hadn't heard the song before. He just went in there and bang, he's done it. Um. And I think it was last year or the year before, 
I was sort of almost starting up this hard rock act with the drummer and um, we were looking for a bass player, as we always are. I've always been looking for bass players. It's amazing. And, um, yeah, we called Hugh in. Uh, I think we'd sent him some really rough sort of shitty demos and came in and he just played the songs <laughs> and um, he just really lifted this one particular song that I remember because it was a bit of a complicated song. It wasn't sort of just a riffy song that he could play something similar. He had to really come up with a different sort of part and, um, you know, he he, st- he stuck with the, the drums and it just really gave the guitar a lot of space and it really carried the song. It was amazing. But um I may have a, a shitty phone demo of that song mm. from that uh from that session, but um yeah, we never sort of went beyond beyond that, unfortunately. Well, the the bass is something that's res- resonated with me too. Um because I mean I play bass as well as a bit of guitar and I'm playing bass with a friend at the moment. Um, but I just, you know, in my life, I listen to a lot of reggae as well, and I think you know, there's some punk bands like you know the Stranglers, particularly, were very, very bass orientated, and uh, mm. you know, I, I, I always used to joke, you know, probably 25 years ago that before I die, I want to be a, a bass player with a punk band, and uh, mm. I think I sort of haven't really sort of achieved that yet, but I've still got, I've still got another couple of decades to go. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, the you, you get out to see quite a lot of live music as a fan of music, yeah, uh, which is great. I try to, yeah. Um, one venue in particular in the last couple of years in our sort of area has really picked up steam, and that's the Croxton. Yeah. In is it Northcote or Thornbury? Yeah, well, yeah, Northcote. Crossover. Thornbury, yeah. It depends. It depends if you're selling real estate or not. Mm. <laughs> so you've seen quite a few good bands there. Oh uh, yeah, look, I've, um, you know, I was uh, uh, very happy to see. Radio Birdman there. Um, now Radio Birdman's a, a band that you know, some one of my friends helped me discover in about 1980. Um, I think by the time I discovered them, they'd pretty much p- finished, and um, I thought I'd never see them. And, uh, uh, and actually, with Reformations, I've seen them about three times. Um, and of course, they were influenced by um, you know a lot of the sort of early punk stuff from you know. Um, Iggy and the Stooges and that sort of thing, MC5. But, but Radio Birdman, um, you know, they're 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 just a, cl- a class of their own. Uh, bands like Stiff Little Fingers, seen them there uh, in the last number of years, and bands like The Damned, um, Dead Kennedys was another one I saw. Uh, the Croxton, um, and then so there's it's not all old stuff. Some new new stuff. Fantastic to see Emil and the Sniffers last year. Um, you know, they're a band that's got, they're, you know, the the huge and getting huger. Um, you know, I've got you know, uh, um, one of my mates over in the UK. He said, mate, <laughs> I went over to the UK in 2018 and he said to me, mate, one of the bands you got to see is Emil and the Sniffers. Have you heard of them? <laughs> and um, I said, the what yeah, Sniffers? Emil. Amyl Amyl. Oh. Yeah, A A M Y L Amyl. Well oh. it's it's sort of a thing on like Amyl is an Amyl nitrate, you know, that's a, oh. a you know, a, a thing that you sniff to stimulate you. And you can look that up in Wikipedia. I know nothing. Yeah, I say yeah, Amyl nitrate was one, one sort of one of the stimulants that went around in the day. <laughs> and I suppose that you could still get that in your local sex shop. Right. There you go, folks. There's a tip for you. <laughs> Suss that out. I don't know. It's been, been a long time since I've been in a sex shop, I think. <laughs> um, all right. Well, to take us out for the show, let's do – I'm going to put you on the spot with a couple of questions. All right. Okay. All right. So I said you read a lot of autobiographies. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's been your favourite? Um, look, John Lydon's always a good read. Um. Very interesting man, but it, it, look, if I had to, if I had to push one out, uh, I'd say Slash. Oh. Uh, that probably resonate with really? you, really, really, because um, I like, um, uh, you know, I like those sort of autobiographies, and I wasn't a big, and I am not a big Guns N' Roses fan. Uh, I, 
for, I won't go into that, but I thought, oh, I'm going to give this bloke a go. I don't know much about him, see what it says. And uh, by the end of the book, I just, I just really liked the guy. And mm. um, I appreciate him as a man and a musician. He was a person that, that um, you know, went through a whole lot and turned his life around as well. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, is excellent, excellent at his craft. So, mm. yeah. Absolutely. Well, mm. that's that's awesome. I mean, Slash was my main guy as a guitarist. Mm. I think, oh, yeah. I, as I've mentioned on mm-hmm. the show before, like he was, uh, you know, I had those uh, two video cassette tapes of uh, – Part one and part two, Guns N' Roses live in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, why, the, why are they playing in Tokyo? No one knows what they're singing. But, um, yeah, just watching him, his, his swagger, his style, um, that was really infectious for me. So, mm. um, that's yeah, that's great that that's yeah. your favourite book. I didn't know that. Well, Get it from your local library or steal it today. Mm. And another thing with Slash, like he his parents were sort of in that industry – in that music industry, uh, I think I think it was his dad, might have been his mum, that was an album cover designer. Ah, okay. um, I don't I think, remember that from the, from the book, but yeah, I think they designed one of them designed um, one of David Bowie's album covers from memory. Hmm. I have to check on that. Hmm. All right, uh, favorite album of all time. Favorite album of all time. Yeah. Um. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's, All right, what about top three? Top three. Um, okay, well, you know, if you ask me again next week, they'll probably change. And yeah. if you ask me last week, it'll probably change. Um, I've already mentioned Sticky Fingers, so I'll just maybe I'll put that um, aside for a moment. Number four. All right. Um, all right, well, let's go um, probably um, Radis Norvegicus by The Stranglers, the first Stranglers album, which is pretty fantastic. Um, maybe another one out of the blue would be um, Searching for the Young Soul Rebels by Dexy's Midnight Runners. Um, and I'll better put an Australian one in there. Um, and maybe I'll go Place Without a Postcard by Midnight Oil, which was their right. second their second album, mm. which I had on high rotation when it came out. But, um, yeah, so not a lot of, not all punk there. But, no. Um, yeah, so that, that was a tricky question. You ask me again next week and <laughs> there will be three different albums. But right. There you go. Uh, Favourite whiskey? Um, Jemison's Irish. Right. Favourite beer? Uh, whatever's going cheap at the moment. Um, uh, no, actually, I'll, I'll tell you one. Um, I like, uh, I'll go Kilkenny. Kilkenny Irish Black Beer, yeah. Okay. Uh, Favourite band? Two. Top two. Top two. Um, also subject to change. It's also subject to change. Well, if, I, if I'm, so I'm going to be 58 next month. If I, so if I go have a lifelong thing, so I'll say the, the Stones because they've got such a big catalogue. So I'd have to, mm. um, I have to put them. I don't have to, but I have to put them in there. Um, and I think that maybe um, Joe Strummer's been a big, big influence on my life. And I thankfully I got to see him in two thousand and one because he died in two thousand and two unexpectedly. So um, I'll probably say um, the Clash's first album, The Clash. Cool, cool. And uh, last one, favourite or, most, or, yeah, favourite gig, favourite gig or concert or the biggest impression? Mm, okay. Um, the one that left the biggest impression. The one that left the biggest impression. Did see the Stones in the 90s. Excuse me, 1996 at the MCG. Um, uh, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. So that was big gig things. But um, when you're going to when when you know you go to places like 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out something obscure now. I think maybe um, I went to see the boys next door a couple of times. Two two separate places I saw them. And no, three. Oh, I saw them in lots of places. But all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull one out of the hat. <laughs> I'm gonna go the boys next door. Um. Uh, at um, a tavern in Caulfield. In about 1979, 1980, and um, there was a big night because uh, the band was great, um, and it was all it was in Caulfield. There wasn't a big punk scene there, but there was a lot of punks at this thing. And one of the one of the punk groups sort of went outside and got beaten up. Mm. So all us punks went outside looking for what had happened. And as we went to get back into the venue, um, the venue people, people had called the cops. Shit. And uh, we weren't allowed to get back in. So the, the, the cops were involved in all this sort of stuff. And uh, at uh, one stage, as we were being shepherded down the stairs, a member of the police force decided they'd give me a little push, which pushed me down the bottom of the stairs. I ended up at the bottom of the stairs, a little bit hurt and a bit injured. And the first copper I saw, I actually swore at them with, with a few chosen words, and um, I ended up uh, being dragged off. I ended up being thrown in the back of a divvy van that night. Sure. So I'll put that down. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. If you end up in the back of a divvy van, <laughs> it's got to be a good gig. All right, awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show today, Rob. Thank you very much. Awesome I hope I don't get a, I don't have hope I don't have to get a divvy van home tonight. No, no. We'll, we'll have one more beer and then. We'll let you go. Thanks for safe, having me. Safe and sound. Thanks for having me, and um, keep up the show because the show's great, and um, I'm sure that you've got a loyal listenership, and you, you, you're doing a good thing. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's all for the love of music, and um, it's uh, very important to us all. So any final words? Listen to Fox on the Way. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks again, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Bye.